Welcome to Small Town Radio, the show that normally has the biggest facts about the smallest towns. I'm your host, Maxim. And I'm your conductor. Ooh, dreamboat. Conductor dreamboat. Ooh. Yeah. And I only drive trains. (laughs) Yep. Uh, so today we uh, we have decided not to travel to a place, an imaginary place, but we've not we just decided to not imaginarily travel to a real place. And I think that's in large part due to the fact that we are both traveling to very real places. Yeah, this is actually a big week for both of us because both of us are moving. Mm-hmm. At time of recording, Connor has moved into a place in Providence, Rhode Island. Well, just outside and- in Johnston, technically, which I think is a town, but we'll find out maybe in a different episode. Maybe in a different episode, yeah. And then I'm packing to move into a- another apartment, a 10-minute walk from my current apartment. <laughs> yeah, and that is a lot to do in a global pandemic or not in a global pandemic, you know, it's just the global pandemic seems to be adding a, a different layer onto stress, which I think is that's, you know, very new. I didn't realize that a global pandemic could do that. I just thought, you know, a global pandemic made things better, but goes to show what I know. Yeah, you were horribly mistaken then. <laughs> <laughs> I there think are there's some- both. Go for it. <laughs> I was going to say there are some things that just don't change, which is me just going on a run of words alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been there's been good and bad from it. I mean, obviously, a lot of bad stuff has happened, but I think in a personal sense, it's it's good because I think we've had like a lot of reflection time and a lot of time to develop other things rather than just go to open mics constantly. <laughs> yeah, resetting, rewinding. And I feel like one thing with this podcast, we try and do it up top, but we, we've we limited it uh, to make sure our show is within that, like, you know, 40, under 45-minute time range. But we don't necessarily share a ton about ourselves and, you know, what we're up to. And I feel like we both have things that have developed. So this is kind of your chance to look into our windows late at night and see what we look like when we're sleeping. It's a special episode for our most loyal fans, and then a totally bland. <laughs> you mean episode. all our listeners? <laughs> yeah, right. If you're if this is the first episode you're listening to, go listen to another five episodes first. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like, what was I doing? I, I I took pictures at our comedy show we had Sunday or Saturday before recording this, and. I took 1,500 photos, and last night I was going through and editing them and like cutting them down, and I was just like, Connor, can we just like talk on the podcast? Like, I we don't have a town picked out. Like, we're both moving. We just got a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, well, do you? So, for people that are new or you know know us more tangentially, do you want to describe kind of what you do and what you're doing because that is. Very true. You've just been up to a lot of stuff. You've taken a lot of um, positive steps in a creative space during COVID times, which yeah. is really, you know, could be inspiring to some other people. So do you just want to like go through the bigger picture of kind of what you've been up to and, you know, the name like 60 small towns afterwards? 
Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess when the pandemic started, I was kind of like looking for some stuff to do. And then I was kind of researching what you can do in this time. And I realized there's a lot of ways to masturbate. So I've been... <laughs> <laughs> do go on, please. Do go on, please. Anyway, um, so I actually, I bought a camera back in February. I think, I think we announced that pretty prominently on this podcast. Yeah, so I bought... I bought the camera so we could do our first video episodes. I think we wanted and a two camera setup for guests. We wanted, yeah, yeah, we wanted a two camera setup when we would have guests on. And um, when I was buying a camera, at first I was looking for like video type specs, and then Connor talked me out of 4K, which makes sense. And then like, we, no one need, no one needs us in 4K. <laughs> <laughs> I talked him into 8K, so that's why we look so good all the time. Right. So, and then also, so I, I I downgraded the video specs of it of the camera I was looking for, and I ended up purchasing the Canon 80D. And I uh, I've been really into like phone photography for a long time. Like I really loved taking pictures on my phone, and I've always kind of wanted to get into real photography. And when we started doing this podcast and want to do video for it. I was like, oh, shoot, I'll get a camera now and explore videography and photography. And then the coronavirus hit <laughs> and the video became too much work. But during that time, like I, I just spent almost all of quarantine watching photography videos and getting out and practicing and like learning all about cameras and like Adobe Lightroom and like composition, yeah. just for, so many things. For anyone who wants a clarification, uh, a photography video is several minutes of just one photograph. So Maxim's just watching basically a slideshow, but much slower than the average person would want to watch them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's it. I go on YouTube and I look up uh, Mona Lisa photo 10 hours and then I... <laughs> Just watch no crowds. And once you hit that 10,000 hours, you're an expert. So, yeah. so is she smiling? <laughs> no, it's, After 10,000 hours, I don't know. <laughs> well, you're the expert. So yeah. that means that's the answer. So uh, uh, yeah, during this time, I learned a lot about photography. I bought some cheap lenses that are actually very good the canon uh 50 millimeter 1.8 and the canon 28 millimeter 2.8 or it's 24 i can't remember it's the, it's one of the 20s and those ones coming from the kit lens gave me a lot more creative opportunity because they're prime lenses they're like fixed so i started really getting into it and the reason why i bought the 50 millimeter was because i had in mind that i wanted to shoot comedy shows once quarantine is over and with comedy shows are often in very dark places mm -hmm. with minimal lighting. Some have good stage lighting, but for the most part, they're dark. So I wanted to practice low light photography. So I've been doing a lot of walks at night and doing low light photography throughout the city and stuff and just kind of practicing here and there. And now that we're kind of doing we're, we we started doing outdoor comedy in late June. Mm -hmm. That's when people start. The cases dropped a lot in New York City. And people felt better about getting out and just being around people. And we're still safe. We wear masks. We wipe down the mic and all this. But we started, me and my girlfriend started a rooftop mic. And I kind of used it as an opportunity to start taking pictures of people performing comedy. And through that, I have, I got my first paid photography gig for a comedy show where I 
worked for $15 in a tie-dye shirt, which was dope. <laughs> and now we have a, a comedy show, Comedy in the Grass in Prospect Park. Uh, my girlfriend and I produce it. And I do the, she basically books people and arranges stuff. And then I do the hosting and the photography and design the flyers. And so I'm like actually being able to get out and put it into practice. And when you shoot for other people, you give them a rate that feels appropriate. You tell them how many pictures you're going to give them and you do the best job you can. When it's your own comedy show, you kind of go the extra mile. So 1500 photos on Sunday was or Saturday was a lot to go through. Yeah, that's uh well, I think for people who are listening should they should know just like how much you've grown, especially in five months, going from you know not having a camera to where you're at now. I think Maxim's a very good photographer. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and it was his birthday, and that's your gift. One compliment, so you know. A don't solitary compliment. Okay, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. You don't compliment me much, so I'll take it. Yeah, I don't remember that time where I didn't say thank you. No. That's like every episode one through 20. Thank you for your fact. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> me for my fact. I think, I think you're averse to complimenting me because I roast you so much and then compliment you. So I'm always in this hot and cold with you. And I think you're just like, oh, I'm scared of that. <laughs> you're like a bad water heater, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bad water heater. You're uh, my apartment water in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, I'm I'm Connor's radiator. Sometimes I burn him and sometimes I keep him nice and cozy. So do you have a place that you're hosting all your photos that people can kind of check them out and see what you've been up to? Actually, yeah, I just added it to my Instagram bio, but I made a Flickr account for everything that I don't post on Instagram for like the full-sized photos. So you can check me out at flickr.com slash photos slash Maxim Allen. Is that where you're putting the masturbating how-tos as well? Yeah, actually, it's very, very high-def uh, macro photography. It's quite challenging. Uh, nice. Very, very nice. So just goes to show, folks, that uh, you can do stuff. You, too, can spend way too much money on a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like that's, that's the creative field, though, right? Like, there's a high buy-in. Like audio equipment with a podcast, it's not you don't need high buy-in, but if you want to have something good, there's a startup cost to it. And same with you know photography's. I would uh, the video the visual element is harder than the audio element, I believe. So to like get a good sense of, and it's because it's harder to do. You know, it's more expensive. Um, yeah, and I was rocking the the fifty millimeter. At my first paid gig. And then I really wanted the 24 to 70 f2.8 from Canon, which for our listeners who don't know is a pretty expensive lens. And after my first gig, I was like, you know, I, sh- I got booked for another one that's in August. And I was like, you know, I normally wouldn't drop this much money on like one piece of equipment. But now that I can actually monetize this, and like pursue it. It's like if people are paying me, I should have the gear that can really do a great job and I'll be able to make my money back eventually for it. So 
Yeah. Now I'm like, now I'm playing in the big leagues because I, <laughs> I have, because I spent way too much money one time. <laughs> it's the beginning of a bad habit. So, because we're comedians and that's how we posture ourselves on these shows. How's comedy going? How are you, how are you enjoying being a comedian and how do you feel like you're progressing? Because to quote you many a times, um, we were dog shit open micers. So if that's where we're, if that's square one, what square do you feel like you're at now? How do you feel like you've progressed from just being a dog shit open micer? I just, I don't know. I don't think of, I guess I stopped thinking of myself as just an open micer, even though I kind of am. Like, I don't, I don't get booked except for shows that I host. And that's okay with me. But I feel like in the last couple months, I've, or last month mainly, I've really made some strong connections with some really good comedians who I just didn't talk to before because once we started doing comedy outdoors, there was only three or four, there's only three or four places to do comedy now. So it's like, you start, and if the people who are willing to put the events together, everyone goes there, and everyone's just happy to be out doing comedy. So, I feel like the network is building. The like through photography, my network is building. Like, it's good. I feel like I've improved a little bit here and there as, as like an actual comedian, and like I've written some new jokes that I like a lot, and I have some jokes that are like solid that now are like staples in my set, I think, which is something that I've always struggled with. So I've hit, I hit like a new, a new staple joke. I need to rewrite the beginning a little, but do they sponsor you for that joke? Wait, what? Do they sponsor you for that joke? Yeah. Staples. Yep. That was easy. (laughs) Easiest laugh ever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an odd time. I mean, you've obviously come a long way since quarantine started in your stand-up career, which is like the opposite of what you would expect for leaving New York City typically. Yeah, I'm I, I'm glad you bring that up because I feel like, you know, as one of the top comedians, uh, top booked comedians in the country right now, people should just be flocking to this podcast. And if I don't flaunt that, then how would anyone ever listen to it? You, you know, you get what I'm saying? Right. I'm just saying some people COVID affects their respiratory system. COVID has just affected my head. And I Mm. was just, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) That's another run folks of Connor talking nonsense. Um, No, I mean, it's been, it's wild. Um, So Trevor Glassman, and we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but not in detail. We, we've been doing something called curbside comedy and to give credit where credit's due, you know, my mom came up with half the name. She was like, cul-de-sac comedy. I was like, well, not all the shows are on cul-de-sacs. But, um, yeah, it's... So Trevor and I, since August 8th... Not August, sorry. Uh, May 8th, have been doing social... Well, actually, here's something for all listeners, and maybe you too, Maxim social distancing, especially if you're looking at it from a mental health standpoint, isn't necessarily the best way. Cause we're not, you can still communicate with people. You can still check in. So it's like, we're trying, Trevor and I are now, um, having done a show that, you know, focused on mental health, uh, the telethon like event we did called pizza stock Four. we talked with some experts and they, 
urge people to use the word physical distancing because that's what we're right. trying to have people do, not trying right. to isolate socially. So we've been doing <laughs> we've been doing physical distance shows since early May, and to date we've had we've done twenty four shows. Oh my god, that's which, incredible! Which is yeah, it's great. It's like weird to think twenty four shows is like two weeks in New York City or twenty four performances is yeah. two weeks in New York. But the fact that now in three months, um, Trevor and I, we, you know, we accept donations for our show. Um, and 50% of all donations go to two charities. And to date, you know, we've raised over $2,700 for charity. Like if someone had told me that I, at the beginning of COVID, like before the idea of curbside comedy came through it, I probably would not have believed them. And I definitely would not have believed them, but the real plus out of all of this is, you know, what it's done for me as a comedian at the end of the day, you know, it's great to be on shows and it's great to be raising money for charity, but I really just want to continue to get better at the craft of comedy. And I feel like in these three months I've grown probably more than I would have grown in New York in three months. And talked last show I did my first half an hour and just feels like the writing has become a little bit easier. I feel more confident on stage with people, you know, recommending our show and, you know, having real people, non-comedians come up, come up to you and be like, Hey, I could listen to you all night. I really enjoyed that. Um, so it's been curbside comedy has been phenomenal. And I feel like, Uh, I just hope it continues to grow. And, you know, I'm so thankful. Like for anyone who's interested in comedy, finding a good group of friends who want to make it work in this space, not necessarily financially, but as a career because they just love doing it. Like that's, that's the way to go because, you know, that's how we met where you know, we were friends and we figured this part out and uh, Trevor and I, and then we have some other friends who are, you know, doing really creative stuff. Um, so I'm really grateful that one of them ended up living in New Hampshire, the small town of Bedford and that we've been able to do what we've done. And when this comes out, the show will have already happened. We have our first public show because we've been doing all private shows in backyards and we have our first public show at throwback brewery, uh, which will have happened last week on Wednesday, but um, it booked out. It sold out, which it's the first public show that I've done post COVID selling out. That's just like a cool feeling to have. So that's so, so cool. Um, I'm going to just take a moment right here to tell you that your internet sucks, Connor. <laughs> Resuming our conversation. That's super cool. Like, I'm really glad. And like, Connor came and did our show that I shot all the photos for. And because I was moving out of the city. Yeah. Yeah. He came back down to the city to move his stuff out. And he did a 10 minute spot, which is kind of low for a high comedy lord like himself. But Connor, Connor has improved tremendously through this time. Like it's it's really cool to watch. And I'm I'm really stoked. I'm really proud of you because you just oh, thanks. You just knocked it out of the park. I I'm I'm just curious because um one thing that I reflected on today is when quarantine started, I was joking, like, well, there goes my vision board. 
<laughs> and it turns out that once things have opened up, I've actually like knocked quite a few things off now. Like I wanted this year, I wanted to host five shows and I've hosted more than that already, which is yeah. really good. So how, how are your yearly goal, goals going? Uh, I'm not a list person. So, you know, January come one comes around and, uh, I've already achieved everything on my to-do list. So it's, it's great. I, you know, before I even stepped up to the plate, I hit a home run because if you don't set the bar high, you can jump over anything. Um, (laughs) (laughs) the (laughs) goals, goals for comedy for the year, go grocery shopping, buy toilet paper, get toothpaste, backup deodorant. I mean, so Maxim refers to me as like a workaholic and I definitely work hard, but I don't, I think somewhere that I'm lacking is in organizational skill, not, not organizational skills. Cause I get the stuff done. It's just scheduling. Like I don't write stuff out. I just keep it in my head and I'm learning now, especially doing the booking and bookkeeping and all those things for our shows how that's a skill set that I need to develop. But I, the goal for comedy with me has always been just trying to be as funny as I can be. And mm. for me coming into comedy too, I knew that I was not the type of person to step into the room and just make everyone laugh. That's not who I am. I'm like a fairly serious guy when you talk to me and like, I feel like, so many of the conversations I have now too with non-comedians and comedians are just about comedy and what I want to do there. And so the fact that like, I thought that if I was going to make things work in the stand-up space, it's going to be through writing and, you know, what I can really bring to the stage and just working on that skill set. Like it, comedy is an art and lets me, let me work on my craft on stage rather than, you know, changing my personality. And mm-hmm. the fact that I'm seeing that happen in front of my eyes um, is really rewarding. And plus being with my parents too, them coming to a, a lot of my shows, they tell me pretty straight up if it was a good show or a bad show. Um, and like <laughs> how it was in comparison to really good shows or not as good shows or like shows at the beginning. So for it's the really- year, Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, for the year, like what I wanted to do was get some stability in my life in the gig economy, which is happening a little bit through comedy and a little bit through other opportunities right now and get better as a comedian. So I feel like, you know, COVID (laughs) has provided that. It's like, it's weird. Like you were saying that too, like COVID has, I don't know, almost allowed for that little bit of time to realign and, you know, find a way forward. Yeah. And I definitely like, the first month and a half of quarantine for me were definitely like downtime where I, I kind of gave myself a break from like running around so much. And we also had our podcast hiatus. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of it. I definitely got very depressed for a little bit there mm-hmm. and kind of let myself go. But now that like I started to feel better and kind of accept the situation. And now things are like opening back up and like, I'm seeing people in person again. And like, we're like making good strides in comedy. I'm like reinvigor- reinvigorated to like get out there and really do a good job. So 
Yeah. And I feel like that point brings me to today's, to, to my sponsor today, which, you know, um, it's just wear a fucking mask. Just yeah. wear it. Don't, don't make us close up again. Do your part, please. Uh, that's my sponsor. And, um, I only said that cause they paid me to. So yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Wear it. Just, just I, wear it. Yep. My sponsor today is Small Town Radio Podcast, and if you don't plug it at your very public show, <laughs> we're never going to hit the 10,000 listens I have on my vision board. Hey, I, I'll i just... Let's make a commitment right now to pay... Let's pay the Russian bots so much money that they don't feel inclined to hack our election or to influence our election. Good. Okay, so for the 9 to 12 people who are listening right now, <laughs> um, start Venmoing us uh, your money, and we will pay off the Russian oligarchs so they don't mess up our election again. <laughs> and that is how we save Small Town USA. Yeah. That was if the point. If anything, we, sa- we save Small Town USA by providing social programs and healthcare to the people <laughs> in these small com- com- or communities that normally don't have these types of amenities or resources. But who has time for all of that, right? Not our, not us. We yeah. got a podcast to deal yeah. with. <laughs> We're, we just need to make you laugh and forget about the fact that you don't have it. Uh, yeah, we, I, ugh, I, it's, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what this year turns into. But I swear to God, if it's four more years, I, I don't think I can take the defeat again. And it's just going to be, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, I feel like even shorter term between now and the end of the year, so much will happen because we could see a second wave. And historically what I was heard in conversations is that the second wave of a pandemic is the worst part of Mm -hmm. it. So we're going to have that. And then it could be around the time who knows, but it could be around the time of the election, which means how are people going to be able to show up and do their part? Uh, are we going to make adjustments in that time to allow people to vote from home? Um, how are I will people going to feel safe? Like, I voted in that. the New York New York City election um, the about primary? a month ago. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually, they did a great job. Like they were very careful about social distancing. It was in a local high school gym and there was like, they had markers way around the block to where you're supposed to stand. Granted, when I went, it wasn't that busy. And then you went in there, they had you like fill out the things They had all the, the privacy booths six feet apart. They gave you hand sanitizer afterward. They like sanitized all the pens and all the pamphlets before they gave them to you. Like, they did a good job. That's great. Like, I mean, that's phenomenal. And I'm glad a city of that size, uh, of New York City size can do that. I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, like the rural South, like Atlanta, uh, not Atlanta, but uh, places in Georgia. Yeah. Um, places that, you know, maybe of lower income and their kids aren't in school and they can't, you know, are they going to, do they need to bring their kids to the polling station or do they need to be working? Like if, if the polling stations are only open one day from nine to five, like, yeah, I've been listening to a podcast called pod save the people. And mm-hmm. it's just been like really illuminating. It speaks a lot about, you know, the, the black experience in America and, 
um, you know, the struggles that are going on. It's just like re- very informative, but it's just been eye opening to see how not just like major cities work, but you, you go to these rural places that uh, small towns, you know, that mm-hmm. yeah have limited access and, you know, not the same type of person power um, as a fairly liberal city like New York City. Mm hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. And then once the election happens, too, we get to see if Biden wins, what is the reaction of Trump and his administration? Uh, The history of American democracy is a peaceful transition of power. Who knows, though, if things don't work out and if it goes the other way, how does the country feel? Um. What does that look like? Like it just it's gonna be a wild half the year. I feel like I feel like if Trump wins again, like you thought Minneapolis was bad. Like <laughs> I think people rioted enough on the last time he got elected. Like I think if it happens again, especially with how this administration has handled this outbreak, it's gonna be bad. And I don't know. There's who knows? Politics, it's all it's all scary. It's all <laughs> unnerving. Like, this is basically we're we're explaining to you how a town of two people in the USA would talk about life. Welcome yeah. to Goblin Town. Goblin Town, yeah. Goblinville. Gob What's like, a is there a name for like a is there a G name for like a town or like a hamlet or like a a gnome. Gnome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my gnome, Goblin. <laughs> Welcome uh, to Welcome to Goblin County, USA. Home to two. Get home out. To two. Yep. If you're three, it's unincorporated in every sense of the word. Um, it's only incorporated in our imaginations. It is an imagined reality, a social construct. Welcome to my mind. Yep. <laughs> and the goblins don't have politics. They just they just fucking chill, man. They just fucking chill. <laughs> and then die in that mine ex- caving in. Yeah, sometimes things come up, but they move on. That's what happens if you bomb, folks. Don't bomb as a comedian. Don't kill the goblin. <laughs> Really killed the goblin on that one. No, you know, what you uh, what, what you what uh, you mentioned before about your parents coming to your show, though. Yeah, I think that's such a valuable piece of the process is like having someone to always bounce your comedy off of and get the feedback. Yeah, so you you know why things went badly or things went good, and you get it from a second pair of eyes that aren't just you watching your own tape. Yeah, and it's with Trevor. Trevor's really good at that, too. We take time to debrief after shows and talk about what went well and what didn't go well. What, but with my parents, too, the difference is I live with them, and they're also the people that raised me and will support my dreams, but also be like, hey, this is not the dream that we thought you were going to have. And so, like, we thought know, they- you were going to be a long-distance runner and run <laughs> far away from here. <laughs> um, yeah, so they they their support has been just great, and the fact that because they want to see me do well and achieve my goals, 
in comedy and, you know, life, like as a regular person and the way to achieve a career in comedy is to be a good comedian. So they'll tell mm-hmm. me if things aren't going well. And I think they would have told me if, Hey, you're, you're no good at comedy. I think they would have said that by now yeah. and forced <laughs> me to do something else. So it's been good to get their feedback, but also good to get the support because I do know like for you, what were your parents like when you explained to them you wanted to do comedy? Oh, they they were supportive a hundred percent. Like that's because what degree do you have again? In. Huh? What degree do you have again? I'm an electrical engineer. Yeah, that's why they believe they said you could do whatever you want as long as you keep your job. Basically, <laughs> I think they would even support me if I stopped engineering because they like they know that financial stability is always on my mind. Mm-hmm. Like there were some very tough years in my childhood that definitely shaped that. And I've always wanted to be self-sufficient and beyond self-sufficient. Like I want to be able to do what I want to do. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave my formal job for comedy or photography or any of my creative pursuits until I can make basically like 80% of what I'm making now. Like I would take a pay cut, but I would not go below a certain threshold but yeah it's uh it's i think the support system is key and like i have the same thing like your trevor and your parents like my girlfriend is also a comedian i don't say her name on this podcast because i just keep it anonymous but if you know me like it's because she loves the idea of name redacted that is why yeah that is, can we can we i'll admit now finally that this is a great idea girlfriend redacted <laughs> yeah and she uh she's a comedian as well and we we have good feedback discussion between us. And she communicates a little bit differently than I do. And I can tell when she's like, can I tell you something about your set tonight? And I'll be like, okay, will you just compliment sandwich it? Because I never know how bad it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but like we do like if she does a show and she records it, she'll be like, oh, I felt really good about this. Or I or like I did bad about this. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, why did I bomb? And I can be like, oh, I saw this, this, and this. Those are your three things. And she can come back to me like, oh, you hosted the show. You did great, except for like, you should try adding this or doing more of this. And like having that open dialogue where it's a non-competitive dialogue, like between you and Trevor. Yeah. It's not a goal that one of you wants to get the club spots and the other one, they're like, I don't want the other one there. It's more of like, you both want a career. You both know you can get the career. And so you mutually support, even when it's hard to hear things that will improve you. It's all with the growth mindset. Yeah. And Trevor is great. And I feel like I've learned a lot from him and the way he gives feedback. It's definitely like, again, that compliment sandwich of like, yeah. this went well. Okay. Work on this. This didn't go well. And the the difference, you know, too, with Trevor and I is we're both comedians who have an act. We have a set and so we've, you know, seen some jokes 20, 25 times now, which, mm-hmm. okay, if anyone, in, if anyone's not a comedian listening to this, just accept the fact that comedians do not make stuff up on the spot every single time on stage. There's been people that I've heard that have been like, oh yeah, I went to see, I went to one club four times and I saw the same host and they did the same jokes every time. And I was like, Yes. That's how comedy yeah. works. Why do you think when you go see a comedian in person, they ask you not to film it so that their jokes that will be on a special do not get released to the public before the public 
has the opportunity to see their product. So that's exactly. an aside. And I just and feel with, like people don't understand that. People haven't. Right. Uh, it's just and, something that they don't get. And with that, if you really love a comedian, like one of the Netflix special, like top tier comics, you would do well not to see them more than once a year. Because if you see them a couple times in a couple months, you're going to think, oh, they only do the same jokes all the time. I'm like burnt out on this. But typically what happens is if a comedian releases a special, they will have like another 30 to 40 minutes of material that they go on tour with after that. And then that then they'll start developing that use either use that material or develop it into their next special. And so it takes a lot of time. Like seriously, Connor being able to do 15 minutes, like you've been working on those jokes for how long? Some of those like, jokes are before I like my official start date when I really started going after comedy. So some of them are like ideas three years ago or so. Right. It takes a long time. Like I remember my second show I ever did was the only time I've gotten 10 minutes. I used all of my like grade A material and that was only six months into me doing comedy. And the headliner who did an hour after me absolutely annihilated the room. He was so funny. And at one point, he points me out. He goes, hey, how long have you been doing comedy? I was like, oh, like six or eight months or whatever. Like, I can't remember now. But he goes, if you guys in the crowd didn't know it, six months is a very short amount of time to write 10 minutes of material. Like, yeah. it takes a long time. And granted, a lot of those jokes that I wrote are not that great anymore by my own standards, but it was the best I could do at the time. And it takes so much effort. And when you when you see these comedians who release good specials every year or every other year, you know, like the Patton Oswalt's, the Tom Segura's, like these guys are like heavy hitters who like spend tons of time writing and performing and touring. It, it takes so much effort to yeah. really put together a good set, especially an hour of a set. Yeah. And I mean, going back to what we were talking about with Trevor, with both of us, you know, working on our act, it becomes more fine tuned the feedback that we can give. Like, try this joke this way this time, or I like the way you said it. Usually, I know you tried something different tonight and it didn't go as well. Or, oh, yeah, that was the right adjustment. It is much stronger. Or, like, even down to the posturing of jokes, like, um, I like the, you know, exaggeration here or the slowed down pace. And so because we're doing acts that we encourage anyone who wants to see a live show, reach out to us and we would love to bring the show right to your backyard. Um, <laughs> the, the fact that we're doing an act means that we can just really be really poignant with each other and like both stay focused on our goal, which is growing our act and making it bulletproof so we can get, we can just be really strong comedians that can, you know, perform anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And it takes a long time to build up all that rage and sadness and mixed feelings that go into any one joke. <laughs> I think that's, that's the thing. Maybe this is why COVID's been positive for our comedic development is there's a whole lot of sadness and rage in a very short period of time. <laughs> I got to do something with this trauma. Get it <laughs> out of me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been trying, but also I feel like if there's a takeaway from all of this, this off-road small town radio, it's that if you like really want something and have the 
desire to learn about it and execute it, whether it's photography or writing, stand-up comedian, anything creative or that you're engaged in, you can find ways to make it work. And as long as you, you know, love it enough, there's going to be an opportunity out there, whether it's after a few months of COVID or whether that's, you know, sometime a little bit before, it's just, there's going to be pockets. And I think that's what we're going to find in the comedy community as well. Mm -hmm. The fact is we're going to see people who love it and know deep down, this is what they want to do and they need to do there. These people are going to be around long after COVID ends. And then the people that are, were just trying it out and didn't love it aren't. And yeah, you know, you'll find, hopefully they find something that they do love. Right. And I guess the thing with me is even though I joke about being tired from like going to mics or like editing photos or editing this podcast, at the end of the day, I work a nine to five every single day except on weekends. And I'm still happy to go out after work and chase after these things. It doesn't feel like an obligation or like I have to do more like, oh, I got to go do this. It's like if you really want something in life, I feel like you'll make time for it and you'll make room for it. And if you really love it, you'll make goals for yourself and you'll you'll set the bar for yourself higher and higher and higher and you'll reflect and improve. And it and the other thing we we definitely touched I just, on. But sorry, like, I just got to cut you off really quick. That was a dig at me, folks, for those of you who've been listening this whole time, setting the bar higher and higher and higher. Come on, man. I said I set the bar low so I can just step over it. It's fine. I don't make lists. Right. I don't say... Right. We already mentioned that you're not a high jumper. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. And one thing that is so important to me that I really found when I moved to New York City is surround yourself with people who also share your same goal or similar goals or at least this, like similar passions. It's like we all have friends and family who are passionate about different things and fun stuff. You have your longtime friends from college or whatever. But when you pick up a new thing, Make an effort to meet strangers who are doing the same thing. Find out like your local scenes for various things. Go to meetups. Just get in there and network with people, and it'll take you farther than you could take it by yourself. Absolutely. And the fact that with anything creative, I think anyone who's been in it long enough knows how difficult it is. And so whether outside of that creative space you align on things, Inside that creative space, everyone knows that struggle and how hard it is. So there's just a great mutual respect. Usually, I say there's always some exceptions, mm -hmm. but there's usually this great, you know, mutual understanding and respect of like this is we're we're all going through this together. So let's you know make the most of it. So exactly what you said: surround yourself with good people. I couldn't yep. have said it better myself. Nice. That's a second compliment for all of you counting out there. <laughs> Yeah. And I guess like this thing, like I think I mentioned it before, but my vision board for 2019 was to perform at Comedy Works, get on like a certain amount of shows and start a podcast. And I did all those things like I'm a vision board guy. I think it's good to have the goals written out so you can see them every day and remind yourself and bring that into your life. And I know it's some people like that's bullshit, but like set the goals. If you want something, make it happen. Where there's a will, there's a way. And if there's not something in your area, don't be afraid to be the first person to step up and make it happen. Yeah. 
Just not curbside comedy. We've already that's already started. Yeah, uh, New Hampshire is Connor's turf, so yeah. don't don't go treading on. Don't tread on him because uh, he Ooh. will live free or die. <laughs> um, I feel like we're we're closing down. We're winding down. Yep. Any closing remarks? Um, my name is Ben Dreamboat. Thanks for stepping on my train for this wild ride. <laughs> Tune in next week to STR on 88.1 <laughs> FM. Yeah. Now you can find okay. me on Instagram. I'm at Connor underscore Kafia Chain. You can find all that information on this show's uh, Instagram account, which is ST Radio Pod. And uh, we also have the Gmail that you can send town suggestions to, or just like, you know, you you like this conversation, you want to add something, you have questions about comedy at um, small town radio podcast at gmail.com. But yeah, those are the few things I do want to say. This has been Dreamboat. Yeah. Um, thank you all for listening. I love you all. Um, I guess the moral of the story at the end of the day for both of us is just get after your dream, follow your passion, be positive and be committed to improvement. And, uh, one day you could have a massively successful podcast like this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how many, how many of the regular listeners do you think we just lost? I don't know, but we actually, when we put out the episode this week, we got a bunch in the first day. And by a bunch, I mean like eight. So wow. and that's a, that's for those of you who, who are listening, the, uh, that's a very steep increase <laughs> be, from quarantine. Like this has been, this has been slow, but we persist. We do this. We have new software to cut down the mm, editing mm, time. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. mm, mm, mm. Oh, also, if you hear random sound effects in this episode, it's because it's my turn editing, and I'm just gonna. Oh man, Max is giving me a look like, "What are you saying?" Yeah, uh, yeah. I will say that too. The last couple episodes, I know there's some hit and miss spots. We're figuring it out, but at the yeah. end of the day. The audio, the tiny words that are some kind, sometimes compromised, we're going to figure that process out, <laughs> but it's totally worth it to shave five hours off the editing time. <laughs> yeah. So with all that said, stay true, goblins. Stay true. Honor Adam. the code. Honor <laughs> the goblin code. And be fucking chill, man. Yeah. And wear a mask. And wear a mask. God damn it. Wear a mask. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye.